Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of the post-game show. Just two people tonight. I think uh, Brian Anthony Davis is getting his Wilderness Explorer badge or something tonight, but he's not with us. So joining me is Dave Schofield. What's up, Dave? Uh, not too much. Sorry, I screwed up. I didn't hit the music, but that's all yeah. right. We'll... <laughs> it is what that's it is. Okay. It is what it is. We're just we're here to be with you all. That's good stuff. That's right. The Steelers are victorious somehow, some way. They found the way to beat the Jaguars. <laughs> Can I? To... I got to ask you right now. I got to ask you right now. Did you yeah. care <laughs> when that field goal went up for fifty-seven yards? Did it matter to you if they were going to win or not? No, I, honestly. When I, w- I was really ticked off, and we'll talk about this. I was yeah. really ticked off when they didn't put Kenny Pickett in to start the third quarter. And when I said I said to myself, I've got to sit through two quarters of Mason Rudolph with a bunch of backups, it just didn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought yeah. they were going to give Pickett one drive in the third quarter because he least didn't get enough. But I think they – I. They came in with a plan of Mason getting the second half, and they should have adjusted the plan – but they didn't. And, I mean, all, in all honesty, Mason Rudolph's gotten the shaft more than any of those guys, well, other than Chris Oladokun, um, of any of the quarterbacks so far. So maybe they just didn't want to do that. I don't know. I would have I would have loved to have seen another Kenny Pickett drive. Yeah, I mean, people saying, well, maybe they wanted to showcase Mason Rudolph. What else can you showcase? The guys played more preseason snaps in the last five years than maybe anyone else in the league. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Whoa, 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 whoa. But we keep saying we don't care. We want to see what Matt Canada's offense is this year because last year didn't matter. But now we're saying that that, that Mason Rudolph's preseason last year matters? No, we want to see him this year. I, I don't buy into that at all. No, I, I don't buy into any of it because yeah. I have, but we have we have a $10 yeah. super chat here. I know. I want to get this up on the, the screen. Dave Dixon gives us $10. Thank you very much. He actually said on Twitter he had a super chat. I didn't know if he was going to do it before the show started. <laughs> but, uh, Dave, thank you for the tip. He, uh, KPA preseason stats, he added them all up, 19 of 22 for 171 yards, three touchdowns, a 142 QBR, one incompletion was a spike. Uh, he said, not trying to bind to the hype, but mm-hmm. it's looking pretty good. The Jags broadcast does not leave their biases at the door. Now, you got to remember, folks, okay, so in the preseason, just like Bob Pompiani and Charlie Badge, like, they are the home team uh, call, so they don't have to be oh. neutral. It was brutal. Trust me. I get it. It was brutal, but they don't have to be neutral. But, Dave, before we get into that talking <laughs> point, look at these preseason stats. What do you think about Kenny Pickett? Um. I was helping out to do the knee-jerk reaction article tonight with my brother, and I said in there, I was going into this game expecting Kenny Pickett to struggle. I was expecting him to struggle. He was playing against more varsity competition. It wasn't the friendly confines of Acrisure Stadium. I uh, see I got the right one this there time. You go, yeah. you know, and it was just a different environment. And gee. Wasn't it nice to set low expectations and then just be absolutely in love with what happened? 
So when it come, when it came to KP eight, I mean, he, his, his rating was a, we'll get to that. It was better than last week. And I, I put the tweet out at halftime and I was thinking like so far because I was expecting him to come back for another series that his only incompletion was the spike. And he had two other fantastic completions. One was a touchdown. One was a long third down conversion that were called back on penalties. He did what you needed him to do. And my, I mean, my, my goodness, to not get, be excited about what he can bring to the Steelers. I, but I don't want to see him go out there and get killed. If they're good, if, if, could you imagine him? I don't want anyone to have to do with what deal with what Mitch Trubisky had to deal with at the beginning of this game. My goodness. Okay, so we can go one of two ways here. We can go the positive way and start positively, or we can go negative. Which way do you want to go? We'll do whatever you want. (laughs) Okay, we just talked a lot about Kenny Pickett, so let's start with the positive. Kenny Pickett did have a good game. I want to read you his stat line here. Uh, He he only threw the ball seven times, but he had six completions for 76 yards. He did throw a touchdown, no interceptions, wasn't sacked, but was hit multiple times for a rating of 151.5. That's not what I want to talk about here. Mm-hmm. That's the numbers are the numbers. If anyone watched the game live, you saw it just it it looked different with the same players as Mitch Trubisky had when he was in there. It just looked different from I I'm not, I'll even go as far as saying the the weird series that was the completion then the two people, two players shifting at the same time, <laughs> then the weird, awkward timeout. Like even that, when the play was actually being run, it looked different. It looked better. The eye test to me doesn't lie. Kenny Pickett had a good game, even though he only was in there for a brief stint. Dave, what are your takeaways? Anything you haven't said yet about Kenny Pickett? All right, because I, I was looking it up. I want to make sure di- about if you missed it. Did did you miss the 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 rush for negative four yards? Because he um, wisely took the knee whenever there was when there when when there was uh, an no, issue, okay. and then they declined the penalty. <laughs> so they declined it. That's how it becomes the a illegal shift. Rush. Yes, they yeah that they they declined it, and uh, yeah because everything was all off there. There was the, he couldn't do the end around. Both guys were real in motion. Blah blah blah. It's a busted play. He just takes a knee. And then they decline it, so therefore he has a negative four-yard rush, um, which really is a big deal. But if you think about it, let me let me ask you this one: Would they have handled it the same way if if Jacksonville would have got converted on that fourth down, um, and and held the ball out to the end of the first half, and Ken, and KP eight would have only had one drive? He got two drives. Yeah, and the first one he completed two passes. Um, but because of all the penalties, it it didn't matter. Right. He, he, you just couldn't get it all done. You know, you, it's going to kill it. So I'm I'm ecstatic with what he's done. So I just don't know that he's going to be the guy out there come September 11th when they're in in Cincinnati. I don't know that that's that that's I'm ready to even say that I want that because of the other things that are coming along, but you've got to be excited for the future, depending on when that starts. Correct. Tom Muir gives us $2. When we get this on the screen, he says they still didn't let KP throw down the field. KP didn't have time to throw it down the field, but even, (laughs) even in the limited amount of time that he did have, 
he was attacking the middle of the field. Yeah, that was the big That's difference. That's what I like. He threw a pass to George Pickens and got him involved. Pat Fryermuth had two catches when Kenny Pickett was in there. Back to back. These targets were open when Mitch Trubisky was in there, but Mitch Trubisky did get flushed out of the pocket a good bit. We'll talk about him. Also, four ninety nine from the Lost River Drive-In. Thank you very much. He said, I was in agreement that Mitch deserved to be the one until proven otherwise. At this point, Kenny has proven otherwise. He's just simply the best here. There, this is... You know, I was, I'm sitting here and after the game, you know, we're doing the listening to Mike Tomlin talk and he always tries to downplay a lot of this stuff and these narratives, but whether he likes it or not, the narrative this week is going to be, should Kenny Pickett get a legitimate shot to be the starter in week one? I don't think there's any chance that happens unless Trubisky gets hurt, but Kenny Pickett, even in only two series of play went out and put together enough of a performance that people are sitting there thinking this guy's the team's best option. When you look at Mitch Trubisky, I want to talk about his stats here. He finished with five of eight for 60 yards. Uh, He didn't have a touchdown, no interceptions. He was sacked once an 85.4 rating, and he had one rush for 10 yards. But if you watch the game, it's really tough for me to point a finger and say, yeah, you stunk tonight. It was the offensive line that stunk tonight. They had free rushers coming in every, every possible angle at Trubisky. At one point, I thought he was going to throw the ball left-handed because he had the ball in his <laughs> left hand and was scrambling out of the pocket. Yeah. But, Dave, I mean, talking about quarterbacks, sticking with that theme, Mitch Trubisky, what were your thoughts on his play? I mean, as, as little time as he had and as much as he was trying to do – you're kind of surprised he even got them to have a field goal attempt. Boy, it would have been nice to see that there would have been three points up under Mitch Trubisky and his three drives out there. But this this poor guy, I mean, he did it not look like Ben Roethlisberger 10 years ago, the way he was not refused to go down and and scrambled around and was still at least able to to make a throw, whether it was completed or not. I'm not talking about the whole thing with Ben Rollins. I'm talking about his ability to to not go down on first contact and and elude some players and still be able to get the ball out. But then on that on the third down play on his second drive, he didn't did he even get to plant his back foot before he was hit? I don't I don't think he did. The pass, the pass rush was on him so much there. I, I really don't know how you can grade Mitch Trubisky, um, with, with that. It, it's kind of like uh, I don't know if I'm, we don't have bad here to give us a, a good analogy of of, of trying uh, of trying trying to to figure it out. It, it's so much of it was beyond his control, and he was just trying to make the best out of bad situations. So. You can't say that he looked great, but you can't say that he looked bad because of what was happening. Well, but then Sean Manahan says this, and I thought the same thing. As I'm talking about how it's not Mitch Trubisky's fault Mm -hmm. and that, you know, the offensive line looked horrible, and he says this, and he's right. It was the same offensive line with Kenny Pickett in the game. I've, I, this is, this is my thought on that. I'm glad you said that. This is my thought because I know, was it Jeffrey or someone said it in the Slack channel, boy, it seemed like the offensive line was blocking better for, for Kenny Pickett. No. How bad were they blocking the Pickett's first drive? 
How bad were they blocking in the second half? Notice the only time, and I don't know that they were blocking better. I really want to go back and look at the tape. But it was enough to get by. The only time it seemed like the offensive line was doing enough for the Steelers to do much of anything was in the two-minute offense. Yeah. In the two-minute offense. That was the it's not that it was better for Kenny than Mitch. It was better in the two-minute offense, and it just so happened to be Kenny running the two-minute offense at the end of the first half. I don't know if it would have been how if it would have been different if those two guys would have had their drives flip-flopped. So it's just yeah. it's, it's it, it's a different variable. You kind of want to see if maybe there was a little bit more tempo in the offense in general, yeah. if that would have made a difference. Um yeah. go ahead and read this one, Dave. Read, read this okay. super chat. All right, this is from Permanent Pictures. Is that right? Permanent? I said, okay. $5 in the tip jar, thank you very much, says, Kenny's pass to DJ had great anticipation. He is decisive and not afraid to trust his arm. Same with his second pass to Muth. Should be the starter. I'll be honest with you, though, Jeff. One thing that, that I think, to me, it's a little bit easier to play carefree when you're not the guy trying to be the guy rather than being the guy and trying to stay the guy. Well, if you're talking about pressure on yeah. a quarterback, there, there's no pressure on – there is there there is yeah. amount of pressure on Trubisky, but there's also a massive amount of pressure on Pickett. Yeah. But, and, and honestly, and I, say that, I say that, that, that you know, it's – it's a lot easier to say like, Hey, if you're trying to chase the guy down, it's a lot easier to, to, to do those kind of things. Honestly, with KP eight, I don't think it matters. I really don't. I don't. He, he I, seems, I think he just is who he is. He's really cool and calm. Like kind of yeah. like everything that hits him is like water on a duck's back where it just rolls right off. I mean, we haven't seen him face a lot of adversity in the minimal snaps we've seen him play in the NFL, yeah. but, um, all reports out of training camp were that if he had a bad practice, the next practice was a lot better and yeah. he keeps getting better and he keeps improving. And you know, Mike Tomlin, again, he'll say, well, we expect that from all of our rookies. Well, yeah, but this is a first, this is your first round pick. It is your quarterback that everyone's saying could be the next franchise. Maybe not this year franchise quarterback, but in the future. And I don't, I don't know. Let's get this super chat. Steel dog 88. Do you think the Steelers, um, Hand may be forced to make a trade. For you think their hand linebacker. is forced? Okay, there yeah, you go. Okay. okay, thank you. Uh, do you think that an inside linebacker of force? I don't. I don't I, think they're forced. I think. I think if you have the opportunity, that you might take it. But you know, last year, a Joe Schobert came up as a possibility where the other team was willing to pay part of the salary, and it only cost what was it a sixth. I mean, it was a year ago. I'm trying to remember. I don't know that they're going to have a situation like that again that they can really step up to. So I don't think it's yeah. forced, but I think I I don't think they should not answer the phone. That's a, a whole yeah. different story. Well, let's let's stick with the offense though. Let's let's stick with the offense. We talked about the quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph. Like I said, I thought that believe it or not, Mike Tomlin in the post game press conference gave a really good analogy when he said it kind of reminded him of when Byron Leftwich and Charlie Batch were yeah. backups, and he said, you know, you could just tell you know, they're veteran quarterbacks. They've they've seen starter caliber repetitions, and they're playing against these third and four stringers. Still, Mason Rudolph goes out, and he does get the after the Justin Lane interception, turns that into a touchdown. across to Lustin James. Oh, oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> the, uh, to Tyler Sneed, wearing number 84 for the mm-hmm. game-winning score. They did not come. I keep getting the Tyler's mixed up. Tyler Vaughn's and Tyler Sneed, yeah. 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 
Vaughn's is 80. He's the closer. That's what I've called him. No, in the I, no I, trust me. You can't, you, you can't get a mix up when you see him on the field because no, one, not, one's yeah. tall and one is not. I just can't get, I, I get their names mixed up. Yeah. Tyler Sneed is, I think, 5'7". He's a really yeah. short guy. And you could just tell when he scored that touchdown, the sideline went nuts. And Najee Harris was down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time in a fourth-quarter preseason game, guys aren't going to be too excited if someone scores a, a touchdown. But they were excited about that guy getting in the end zone. But I want to talk to you first and foremost about the offensive line, Dave. Now, I'm, I'm sure that you want to go back and watch the game again. Yeah. But when you look at some of these numbers, they're absolutely anemic. Uh, rushing, uh, the Steelers had 14 carries for 24 yards. Now, that does include Gunnar Olszewski's minus three, Kenny Pickett's minus four, Benny Snell minus two on three carries. That's kind of comical. Uh, but they averaged 1.7 yards per carry, which is that's fantastic. Uh, that's sarcasm, by the way, folks. Uh, and then in the passing game, they did throw 36 times for 255 yards, a 7.3 average, two touchdowns, no interceptions. They only surrendered one sack. But when you look at Jacksonville's quarterback hits, they only – they have them listed as four. I feel like they had four on Trubisky alone. I don't – I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not buying into that stat line. What were your thoughts well, on – He got away from them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But the offensive line, especially early in this game, just looked – you could – I mean, pick the player that's not named Mason Cole because he was the one guy that I was like, wow, I didn't see anyone coming right up the gut. They were beating Dan Moore on the edge. Uh, Kevin Green, Kendrick Green was getting pushed back into the lap of the quarterback. Uh, James Daniels was whiffing on simple blocks. This wasn't a stunt like mm-hmm. last week. This was just one-on-one. He lost. What were your thoughts on the offensive line? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If you, if you, some of you that are tuned in right now haven't necessarily been here throughout the entire offseason as we are breaking things down. And one thing that I was reminding people is Steelers fans are always excited about those free agents and they're going to be so great. But for every great free agent, what what, what were my examples of great free agents? I'm, they're, they're escaping me right now, you know, uh, in, in recent years. For every great free agent. So you're talking about like a Dante Moncrief? You have no. That's the bad one. You get a Dante Moncrief. I can remember who my good who my good example was. Oh, like even for for every Stephen Nelson who who was a good player for the Steelers. For For every Stephen Nelson, you have a Dante Moncrief. Then someone's going to be in there, and all of these guys that the Steelers signed aren't going to turn into aren't going to pan out. And I was really concerned about maybe that's Mason Cole. But what scares me to death is if it's James Daniels. And I'm not saying that he can't turn it around and he can't get get better and just get more comfortable and go out there and, and, and get some quality play. But I didn't think he played very well last week, and I think he played even worse this week. So it's it's concerning. And the biggest thing with the Steelers last week is the pass, the pass blocking wasn't great, and they went against a better defense this week. Yeah. But at least they had some good run blocking and could run the ball effectively. To me, it's not that the run blocking was bad, it was awful and worse. I mean, it was later on because I mean, my goodness, I'm like, can anyone, a running back or a quarterback, 
have the ball and not get crushed in the backfield. The one time I, I was, I was, I couldn't believe that Jalen Warren got a one yard gain when he had what seemed like half the defense on him, three yards in the backfield. And he managed to, to get one yard out of it. But I don't, what I think wasn't doing the Steelers any favor was I've always tried to go to bat for the guy, but my goodness, does it look like Benny Snell has concrete blocks on his feet. I mean, they gave him that 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 pitch, and I'm like, it's taken him forever to get out there. Then they run up the middle, and it's like he comes up and he stutter steps and everything else. Jalen Warren comes in the first play, and it is, boom, explosive up into the middle when he ran up in the middle. There's a huge difference there. I think Benny Snell running behind this offensive line is an awful combination it's an awful combination but then Benny Snell goes out there and then crutches someone on a on a on a punt and then that shows why the Steelers keep him around but having no rush attack and then the the pass blocking looking even even worse it's it's very concerning because if you can't if you can't do what you need to do with the offensive line, just enough to be adequate. You don't have to be all world offensive line. The Steelers proved that when their last Super Bowl victory. But if you're not even adequate, how can you get anything else done? They they've got to step up and and, and really do something. Yeah, I mean, what I guess I look at it and say, what kind of improvement are we looking for that is actual, actually realistic when it comes to the offensive line? Uh, everyone, maybe, you know, they start to gel a little bit. Because even last mm-hmm. year, there were moments where we thought that the, the offensive line was starting to, you know, really get it going. And then they took several steps backwards after Kevin Dotson got hurt. Well, I think that there's a couple things, but let's get this super chat up here. Andrew Palladino gives us $10. Thank you very much. He said, how do we improve the offensive line? We've been patching that thing for over two years. Seems we still haven't done enough. What's it going to take? Need a stud, not an average Joe, a big trade. Thank you, Andrew, for the tip. We appreciate it. I think improving the offensive line, you know, it is a new scheme. Got to keep that in mind. Pat Meyer's scheme is going to be a little bit different. New faces, new places, whether you're talking about Kendra Green possibly at left guard, whether you're talking about James Daniels, Mason Cole. But Dan Moore Jr. played three quarters tonight, if that one, if it gives you any indication as to what Mike Tomlin thought of his play in this game. Uh, TJ Wadsack, Trevor Lawrence, and then there was a timeout, and he never came back on. <laughs> so it's like uh, Mike Tomlin said, okay, you're good. You can go have a seat. Uh, we don't need you anymore. Uh, but Dan Moore played three, almost three full quarters in this game tonight. So I don't think there's any easy fix for this line. I think the offensive scheme can help them. And I'm not talking about the super fast throwing the ball out to the side, very horizontal style offense uh, that we saw last year with Ben Roethlisberger. But I think maybe having it a Jalen Warren is more conducive to helping this offensive line than a Benny Snell, like you kind of alluded to, Dave. Uh, even an Anthony McFarland, we know Najee Harris will be fine. Uh, getting Utilizing the middle of the field, those quick-hitting quick passes, that might be the way they have to go. People talk about trades and stuff like that. Yeah, they could happen, but at the same time, that's going to be a player coming into a new system, and that's going to take time to gel as well. So, And that immediate impact, I don't think it exists if you're talking about a a big-time trade 
for an offensive lineman. But Dave, what do you think? What is the elixir for this offensive line? I, I don't know that there is one. That's <laughs> exactly. that's the problem. I, I'll tell you one thing that I think will help moving forward. You've got to make your decision at left tackle now and let that and let that unit work together. I think you have to You're make a decision at all positions. Dave. Yeah, but but you got to pick your left guard. Who's it going to be? I, this, I said left guard, right? Or did I say you left said tackle? left tackle? I said the wrong position. I'm, it's, okay, so I'm, I'm saying, it's eleven o'clock at night. I've <laughs> I was I was up earlier today than I have been in three months. I'm tired. I I, meant, I said the wrong word. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, that's fine. Left so you, guard. That's what you. I meant. The, the decision at left you. tackle is is what it is. I mean, they, they're they're rolling with Dan Moore Jr. That decision was made before in my opinion um and it's not like anyone else is out there that's going to take that away from him and he blocked well against or in run blocking last week so you can see, i mean and he had some nice run blocking blocks last week so you can see what he can do tonight was not it all right i really do need to go back and, and watch this a little bit more thoroughly and it does it really help the guy that there's a carousel next to him Oh, no. Not no. Pick your left guard and keep that unit together as much as you need to do it. Yeah. You, you're just going to have to do it. Pick your left guard and go. I agree. 100% I agree. And uh, for those that are suggesting to trade Mason Rudolph somehow for some stud tackle or whatever, that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> no one is making that trade. Um, no. You might get a tackle or a guard, but it's not going to be a stud. It's going to be uh, a second to third tier player. So See, I, but- I, I think Kendrick Green, the the thought was there. I understood the thought. Give him a chance at left guard. He spent a third round draft pick yeah. on him last season. It's just not He's, it. I've, I said it last year when everyone wanted to move him to guard because they said he couldn't handle center. I don't think he's a guard. I don't think he's a guard. His His arms are too short and he's not big enough. To to be a guard the way the Steelers have typically had guards. He's he's not. He's like the he's like the shortest arms and smallest guy of any guard in the NFL is what he is. But he he is what they wanted. He had the measurables that they wanted as a center. Unpro- unfortunately, it just wasn't a mix. And uh, with, with the way it worked, he wasn't, you know, you thought, oh, he's center capable. He has what we wanted, center. Let's bring him in. We'll be, have him be a center. And it just didn't work. You almost have to ask yourself, is that why there was a very quick and huge parting with offensive line coach Adrian Clem last year? Was oh, that a Clem pick? I have no idea. I really don't. So I, I, I think him not playing a center, I don't think he's – I mean, he could – I think he could fill in at guard, but I don't think he's going to give you that quality – play at guard i think you need to make dots in your starter you're trying to motivate him maybe is that you're worried about his motivation get him out there and 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 get him working together dan moore jr needs needs more stability next to him is there mason cole more? needs no, more no, there right. you know and i james daniels was i was more excited about that free agent pickup than i even was mitch trubisky you know before the draft before you even know that the steelers were going to get a quarterback there and uh, so far, it just hasn't worked. Doesn't mean that it won't. It j- it's either going to take more more time. Simba doesn't know how to block and do a nice job blocking for their first four years, and then suddenly not be able to do it. 
it, it it's all about scheme and comfort and cohesion there it's it's either it's either going to come or else it's just the wrong fit it's it's one of the two it, it, that it didn't go away from someone that age that they just signed it is a pretty damning statement, though, when you draft a guy in the third round, he starts almost every game in his rookie year at center, and then the very next season, zero center snaps, and they move him to guard. That's pretty yeah. damning, in my opinion. I didn't think he was great at center, and I think he's no. even worse. He's even, he's even worse at guard so far this year. So this answers Tom's question. Tom Muir gives us $5. Thank you very much, Tom. He said, is this our best offensive line? More at left tackle. Kevin Green at left guard, Mason Cole at center, Dotson at right guard, Chooks at right tackle. Now, so this would be moving Dotson to right guard, which is, I think that was his natural position in college, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. And this would be James Daniels, one of the prized free agents, turning into an interior offensive line backup. I'm not sure if this works for me, but what about you? No, because James Daniels has at least shown that he has done it before. Now, people would say, well, what about Trey Turner? He showed that he had done it before, and he came to the Steelers, and it was just eh, or even less than eh. It wasn't blah, but I would say it's less than eh, in my opinion. But with Daniels, he still he still should be on an upward trajectory based on his years played and his age, where Turner, it was not the same issue. That's the difference, because you – you know, Daniel should be improving. So the fact that he's struggling now, it's it, you've got to figure out what's going on with him. I don't, like I said, I don't think, you know, I don't think he's got the yips. I don't think he just suddenly can't block. I think they've got to get it all worked out in there. There's something more going on there. Yeah, it's interesting. And I agree with you 100%. I want to move on from the offensive line. We can yeah. spend an entire hour on him. Um, I think they need to make their call. This third preseason game is going to be the final dress rehearsal coming up at Acroshore Stadium Acroshore on Stadium. Sunday at 4.30 against the Detroit Lions. Um, I think you want to get that unit as much time together as possible, but I'm not going to be shocked if they say, well, this is going to go down to the wire, and next thing you know, the offensive line isn't gelling right away, but I digress. Let's go to the finish up the offense, the uh, receivers. <coughs> Excuse me. Tyler Vaughn's finished 456, led the team in receiving. <clears throat> Pat Fryermeath, 2 of 35. Deontay Johnson, 2 of 33. Chase Claypool, one catch for 29 yards. It's a nice grab for him. Jalen Warren, 3 of 24. Tyler Sneed, 3 for 17. Benny Snell, 2 for 15. I'm sorry, Sneed and Snell both had a touchdown. And then a bunch of other one and two catch players. Uh, what about the pass catchers, Dave? What were your thoughts? Uh, I was, you know, it was nice to see Deontay Johnson and Chris Claypool. Um, oh, wait, someone needs to, to, to tell the, uh, the Jacksonville announcers that it's Chase Claypool. <laughs> um, that to see them out there, I mean, Claypool, I mean, he really had one for 29, but he had the, he had the other one that was called back. Um, it was nice to see them get involved, but because they were, Kind of seemed a little bit like like George Pickens was a was not really you know what fans saw last week. Kind of the same deal with Connor Hayward with both of the other tight ends coming in in, in front of him. So it, it kind of gave us a better a, a better picture of things with the Steelers because you had your top tight end and your t- 
quote unquote top two receivers, but it it was still spread out some. I have no problems with the wide receivers. Uh, I'm not seeing um, obvious drops. I mean, I thought Benny Snell had one. Um, other than that, I'm 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 content. I'm. I, the quarterback's got to have time to throw on the ball. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to assess. I mean, outside of Kenny Pickett's scoring drive uh, to finish the half, there was no rhythm and flow to this offense. Yeah. It was just nothing but sporadic. Uh, and every time you thought that was a big play, like the touchdown to Deontay Johnson, all right, yes, and it's coming back. Uh, two offsetting penalties, stuff like that. So it, it was tough to gauge for sure. Matty Peverell. Gives us two ninety nine dingo dollars. That's Australian money, whatever they call that down there. He said maybe Chooks doesn't help with Daniel's adjustment. Yeah, I mean that could that could very about. well be. You never know. I mean, it it takes it takes time to adjust to that guy next to you, and you pretty much have to know what they're thinking and work together. That's that's how it works, and that just takes time. And that's why I'm saying. Figure out what your whole starting line is and get them out there in practice as much as possible. And you don't have to worry. Don't worry about the other guys. Just yeah. make sure these guys, you know, oh, well, of course you, you worry about the backups when you have to. But who, who cares if your backups are getting enough reps if, you're, if your first team isn't getting the job done? Very true. Let's go to the defense. The Steelers – Let's talk about the rush defense first. Uh, they actually hold Jacksonville under 100 yards, 30 carries, 97 yards, a 3.2 average. But even in the first, they were running the ball well. Um, you had Travis Etienne finished with eight for 29, a 3.6 yard carry. Uh, you can throw that in a seemed seven. like more, didn't it? It did. I was surprised when I saw that. I looked at halftime and saw his average. I'm like, I felt like he was doing. More than more than that, but that's just the, me. Sorry. The Snoop Snoop Connor, he, he boy, that guy runs hard. Yeah. Um, he was a tough tough guy to stop. But other than that, I mean, you think about how the Jacksonville Jaguars moved the ball on the Steelers' defense. It was primarily through the air, but they they kind of did whatever they wanted. They threw for two hundred and seventy yards, no touchdowns. They did have one interception. Trevor Lawrence, who played the entire first half, finished fourteen of twenty one for one hundred and thirty three yards. Uh, again, I think where you see the difference here is in the time of possession. Uh, oh, the yes. Jacksonville Jaguars had 34 minutes and 21 seconds of time, whereas Pittsburgh just 25 and 39 seconds, 25 minutes, 39 seconds. So very much that, skewed. That was all life. first half, if yeah. you really look at it, because the second half, there was only a, there was less than 30 seconds separation between the two's time of possession. It was the first half where the Steelers didn't even get 11 minutes of, of possession in the first half. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that when they think about the first team, yes, TJ Watt did get his sack for sure, but it just seemed like, and this is Eamon, will put his super mm-hmm. chat up here at 499. It was exactly where I was going to go with this. He said, what's up with the run defense? It just seemed like they couldn't mm-hmm. slow them down. Thank you, Eamon, very much for the tip. We appreciate it. It just didn't look right. And yes, uh, you know, Cam Hayward was not in the lineup. That's not going to help at all. We understand that. But TJ Watt was in there. Alex Highsmith was not. He's a very good run defender. I, I don't know, Dave. What were your thoughts on the run defense? I thought it was better than last week. I did. Uh, I'm not saying it was great. 
but it was better. It was actually even better in the second half. It was 61 yards in the first half and therefore 36 yards in the second half. So the the Steelers did a better job defending the run in the second half where they, the Steelers, doubled their rushing output. They had eight yards in the first half rushing and 16 in the second half. Jeez. So, uh, um, but yeah, I, I mean, they kept him under 100 yards on 30 attempts. You know, I mean, normally you would say that all oh, 3.2. That's not bad. That's, I mean, a 3.2 yards per carry in a game where, where the teams rushed it 30 times and hasn't hit 100 yards. That's generally you would you would think of that as on the on the better side cuz I don't know if it's right around three and a half is what you would think about so i i don't i felt it was improved with this game it wasn't perfect cuz there was just times where all of a sudden just every once in a while it was like oh there's the run defense we saw before and then yeah. they turn around and they'd have a one yard loss or you know stuff them at the line of scrimmage oh wait there's one that we like we saw before it was very to me right now it's inconsistent is the biggest thing yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it. Let me ask you about the inside linebackers because that was definitely a talking point last week. Everyone was ripping on Devin Bush, not just for his comments, but his lack of effort on the field. So we saw a lot of Devin Bush, saw a lot of Miles Jack. Dave, what were your thoughts of the inside linebackers? Well, I thought Miles Jack wasn't as splashy as he was. And I say not splashy, it's not like it was turnovers and whatnot. I thought that with his very limited snaps, Last week he was he was wow he wasn't the same wow factors I'm not saying he was bad it just wasn't the same I thought Devin Bush looked better this game but as bad as he looked last game I I don't think there was a much more of an option there um, it's not like he looked great but he did look better at times. I was focusing more on the as trying to focus as much on the defensive line and the front five as I could. So I was trying to I was trying to catch um, replays as the game was going on, um, just to try to see what was going on a little bit with the linebackers. I, I felt overall the defense seemed better. The biggest thing that that we'll get to that when we talk about secondary. I. It wasn't as bad as last week, but I still don't think it was great when it came to the inside linebackers and Devin Bush. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have those back-breaking runs that we saw last week against Seattle, so I understand when you said I thought it was better. Uh, but they did give up a lot of those four-yard runs, five-yard runs. You're setting up – I think mm-hmm. you would call it manageable down and distances for the Jaguars' yes. offense. and. This, the scary thing is is that even on third downs, the Steelers were not very good defensively on third downs. They gave up a lot of third down conversions. I'm looking at the number here. Yeah. Uh, third down efficiency, the Jacksonville Jaguars had 20 third down plays and converted half. They were 10 of 20. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh's offense was 3 of 11. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's no bueno, as they would say. Um, so, still – Let's talk about another player that actually did. I think two players played extremely well of note. Andrew Palladino gives us $2 and says mm-hmm. one of them. He said, what a day for Mark Robinson. The rookie's coming on. I thought he played much better. Yes. Uh, he was around the ball. I don't know if he could play worse, uh, but I know that well, he I mean, had a good game. He had the strip sack to help he last game, yeah, but, other, he but he wasn't playing well before that. Yeah. 
So he didn't have the big splash. People that are only looking for splash plays, they would think, well, maybe he didn't do as much. Man, that was a pretty big hit he had there on that one short True. reception where he came up. Um, I and thought he had it. played well. I, too. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had a he had a sack there, didn't he? He had one of them. Uh, um, yeah, go ahead and I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought Robinson played much more relaxed this game. And I don't know about you, but I didn't see Buddy Johnson out there till the end. I don't remember seeing him that early on. Uh, maybe they were out there together. I just didn't notice him as much. But uh, but when you see someone like 93 and you're seeing the number 93, whether they're making the play or right there with the play a lot, um, and it's not a play that's, that's, a, that's a run that should be for maybe two yards and they're making a tackle 15 yards downfield. When you're not talking to those kind of situations where they're coming up and making plays where they matter, um, I, I thought he did a real nice job. Yeah, Leal did end up having a sack, one of two. Obviously, T.J. Watt having the other. Uh, Steelers only were able to get four quarterback hits so in, in the game. So take Same as last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they just couldn't get home with the, the four. They didn't blitz a lot. There were not a lot of blitz mm-hmm. calls. Uh, maybe in the second half, there were a lot of those corners coming off the edge or faking the blitz. They did a lot of that. But um, let's talk about the secondary. You mentioned the secondary. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Trevor Lawrence's stat line. They did convert a lot of third downs. Lawrence also ran the ball twice for 13 yards. Uh, the Steelers, let's look at past defenses. They only had five, actually. Well, two uh, so of them were on the offense or on, were on the defense. Correct. Line. Yeah. Because Alawalo had one. I think Mondo had the other one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, they gave they gave one to Tuska. Oh, I thought Mondo had it. It could have been. Yeah. They, they could always change that. But still, yeah. uh, what were your thoughts on the secondary? I, man, I hate vanilla soft zone. Yes. On third and long, I mean, to me, you're not you're not doing anything to make the defense. Or sorry, to make the offense not not adjust where the open spots are going to be. It was it was it was so obvious where the weak spots of the zone were going to be the way they were playing it on third and long, and that's why Jacksonville could convert on the third and long because all they had to do was have time to pass the ball, and it was going to be there. So I don't blame the secondary for that, and I also don't think that they should be tipping their hand too much. But other other than those plays that are really frustrating, uh, I thought otherwise they were they were there. I mean especially the plays sometimes even just coming up and assisting with other things. I, I mean, KZ made the great tackle on the catch on fourth down. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Terrell Edmonds, where they were bringing him up to do some other things, um, had some nice plays. I'm not saying he had a great game. I'm just saying I know he had some nice plays. I, I didn't notice him enough outside of those. Um, that I still think there's positive things to do. But, but to me, to me, are they going to have the the – um, how is the communication going to go when the defense gets more complex? You know, when they're not yeah. just doing vanilla. I'm trying to look here. Coach Tomlin said um, um, that they blew some defensive assignments. That's not just in the secondary. That can be filling gaps and things of that nature. But uh, you could you could also um, expand it to that. So I think that's that's what's really tough when it comes to secondary. You're just basically out there saying, hey, here's our vanilla defense, and we're going to do great. And they've got to be able to turn around and not – and and play play their non vanilla defense come week one and be able to have perfect communication. 
Well, I think it was uh, Jeffrey Benedict who put in the Slack channel and said, people aren't going to like to hear this, but when you're running just a basic zone on third and long and not trying to do any exotic schemes, they run a simple zone beater and it looks like the defense can't figure anything out. Exactly. They're not doing, like you said, this is very vanilla. Um, You you know this play is going to work because you know what defense they're going to line up in. Yes. They're they're playing checkers, not chess. (laughs) Right. So – when you think about all those things, you continually give the defense a crutch. You know, think about last week. Well, the rush defense wasn't any good, but Larry Ogunjobi wasn't in, and Tyson Alawalu mm-hmm. didn't play, and Cam Hayward didn't play, and TJ Watt didn't play. I could go on and on. And so now we're saying, well, it's it's, it's vanilla defense. You know, we've got we to see what it does when it's the real proverbial bullets start to fly. But I, th- I think that at some point you want to see even the vanilla work a little bit better and yeah. a little bit more than what we did. Uh, and so I think a vanilla lot of Steelers can still be delicious. It absolutely can be. <laughs> it absolutely can be. I think a lot of Steeler fans just have a bad taste in their mouth right now. Yeah. Uh, they're not sure what to think. They went from this really exciting, really high up on the really, really pumped um, last Saturday night to this. And you're just not sure how to respond where is the equilibrium here? You know, where is the norm? Is it more of last week? Is it more of this week? I hate to tell you fans, it might be a little bit of both. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but here's, here's the other thing to think about. I kind of alluded to this last week. I said, don't, don't get sucked up into the quote unquote killer B era thinking that offense is really, really what you need. And it's all about the offense and the Steelers wasted stuff when they had a good offense last week, everyone feels great because the Steelers had had an offense but they gave up 25 points. But the offense scored 32. This week, oh, man, it's such a downer because they only scored 16 points. But the defense only gave up 15. Scratch that. The defense only gave up 13. 13, yeah. You know? It is interesting. Let's let's spend some time on the specialists. I, I don't. We didn't talk about them a lot last week, but Chris Boswell was kicking. So was Presley Harvey. He kicked the, the first half. Right, yeah. and he was 0 for 1. He missed a 53-yarder. 53. Yeah. He hit the left upright, but I, at least from my television, that looked like it hit halfway up the upright. And oh, I, no, I was it was two-thirds. I was thinking was to myself, if this thing goes through, it would have been good from 67. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was insane, yeah. the leg that he had. And I know it's yeah. Florida, and it's warmer down there, but still – uh, Chris Boswell, a lot of people were upset that he missed it, but whatever. Uh, he he finishes, like I said, 0 for 1 with field goals, did make the extra point attempt. Presley Harvin, four punts, averaged 44.3. I think the biggest punt wasn't even one that would count, uh, and that was after the, after the oh safety, the free kick. <laughs> he really got to lay into that one and pushes I mean, the guy back and almost caused a fumble. I thought Presley I, Harvin am, am, uh, did am, am well. I- not remembering right, but I seem to to recall because you get a free kick, but you're kicking from the twenty, yeah, right. That generally teams get pretty decent field position following a safety. Generally. Not when big press, <laughs> not when big press doesn't have any kind of rush, and he can just boom his punt out there. Man, they they yeah. pinned him inside the twenty. That that one was a person. I love the consistency. I felt he was very consistent with his punts, and he had great hang time. Yeah, gave his coverage units a chance to get down there and make a play. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars def- returners were seemed like they were hell bent on turning the ball over. At some point, they never <laughs> did, but they were trying their their darndest to do it. Yeah. So 
but still, I want to give some props to Presley Harvin. Slim press as he's lost some weight. Seems to be finding some consistency, so we'll see. Um, um, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. I, no, I cut you off before you got to finish because I wanted to talk about big press. Sure. Um, but you you were still going to go, what, to the kick returns? I wasn't going to touch that. I don't even know if they had. They had one yeah. kick return. They had two. I mean, McFarlane brought one out from the end zone that I didn't think he would, and he got out to the thirty-five. And yeah. then, and then, and then, Gunners was was decent as well. I was wanting to see Gunner run one back. He finally had the opportunity, um, and I, I thought both. I thought they did fine. It's not like they're busting busting for for a touchdown, but you know, every. If you're going to be an offense that has to, quote, unquote, methodically move the ball down the field because you might not have time for the big shots, every every yard helps on those. So I thought they were good. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say about big press? No, no. I already did about big press. Uh, I, said, I said I didn't know if you were going to go on to the returners when I jumped in to talk about big press. No, we're good. We're good. Yeah. So uh, let's just do overall here, Dave. Thoughts on the game? Maybe some a tidbit of advice to the listener out there. Kind of your final thoughts on this game before we wrap it up. Final thoughts of this game is there's a lot of things that you could say made it for a a different experience. They were not in the friendly confines of Acrisure Stadium, although I don't think they had to worry about a huge crowd. No, I mean my goodness. I mean, you're you're watching these extra points and field goals go up, and I'm like, is there even is even half the stands filled? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, but uh, and I'm sure there's there's lots of Steelers fans, um, which was nice. You know, our own Jeremy Betts was there at the game, so there there's always things that you can find that were better than last week. And there's also things that you could find that weren't. And there's also things you can find that were just as encouraging. It's really easy to look at KPH and be like, wow, that is just, I don't know that he played better than last week because last week was really good, but he, he did just as well this week. Gotta, gotta love things like that. But then there's the discouraging things of the offensive line. You might be a little bit discouraged by the Steelers run defense, but you got to look at it. It was, it was improved from last week. The question, the question is, was it improved enough? So that's the thing you have to remember. Now you've got two thirds of your sample size of what you ultimately need to shape this team into the 53 man roster. So now it's not after last week, it was great, but you still had more games left than what you had played. Now you've only got one more shot. So it's really going to be interesting to see how the Steelers shape this roster, who's going to need to make some moves in order to have a chance, who, who might be who who might still have a chance to blow their opportunity that might be set there for them right now. Um, it wasn't all bad. They did win the game, which does make you feel a little bit better. It wasn't all bad, but there's definitely a lot to learn from this game. Um, and going on the road for the first time is always an interesting thing. So it was nice to, you know, they made the trip, they did everything they had to do there and they have that experience behind them now. And now they can return to the UPMC Rooney sports complex for their yep. practices now, like they will for the rest of the season. Sometimes I like to try and put myself in Mike Tomlin's shoes. <clears throat> As I've talked about on podcasts before, I do have high school head coaching experience. It's not in football, but as a coach, in the preseason, whenever we would have scrimmages, I would almost like my team to not play poorly 
Or, or to play yeah. poorly. I would like them to not go out and play perfect all the time. So when I think about last week, that's kind of perfect. And he's your first time back at home. Mm-hmm. It's a new stadium name, but, you know, you're in front of your home crowd. And they play really, really great. The offense looks good. All the quarterbacks look good. Everyone's buzzing. It's a good way to start. <clears throat> if you're going to have a bump in the road, you'd want it to be in week two. You'd want to still find a way to win. You'd want to have enough bad tape that you can really let these guys know how crappy they looked at times in that game. Refocus them. Show them that we're not even close to ready. And I think that's exactly what Mike Tomlin's going to do this week. I would expect in week three, the game against Detroit, which will be on CBS, I believe. Thankfully, I have to rely on NFL Plus, which (laughs) go kick rocks. Um, I I just think that it's it's going to be a good motivational tool for – the offensive line, for the run defense, for the, some of the linebackers to say, you know, we have to get better. We cannot rest and just think that week one of the preseason was going to carry over into everything. So, and then for a lot of the rookies too, like George Pickens, everyone was talking about George Pickens. Well, you know, you're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to put your head down. You're going to have to grind. I like this. I like the fact that they found a way to win, yet it was ugly. And I'm sure the coaching staff's going to relish this like I would if I was a coach. So there you go. All right, Dave, anything else? No, I'm just one. I still don't know that Kenny Pickett is going to be any different status come week one than I thought he was going to be before. But I, t- but I tell you what, my biggest fear with him was that he would be put out there before he was ready. I don't have that fear anymore. I don't I, have I that fear about that. So I am like, whenever the Steelers feel like it's the right time to go to him, whether it be week one, whether it be week four, whether it be, you know, 2023, I'd probably, you know, if you don't see Kenny Pickett this year, it's because a lot of very good things are happening for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because if they're not, there's no reason to not see him this year. But I just said the word not in there a lot. But, but honestly, I, I, my biggest fear was, oh man, if he goes out there too soon, it's going to be bad. I, I no longer have that fear. So that's, to me, that's my biggest takeaway from this game. And that is my ultimate final thought. All right. Are you going to the game next week? Haven't decided yet. I had to get through this one first. I had the opportunity. I mean, I still have my tickets and it's not going to be getting home at 5 a.m. So I, yeah. I, I might. 4.30 kickoff, right? Yeah, four four thirty. I mean, it still makes for a late night. I still prefer the one p.m. games. Honestly, if I look at the weather and it's going to be ninety degrees, I'm probably staying at home (laughs) because I just I yeah. But no, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'll I'll cross that bridge whenever we start prepping for next week. Got a one game at a time, Jefferson. You have a plan, but you're going to stay light on your feet is what you're saying. All right, right, folks, that does it for us for this post-game show. Steelers find a way to win, 16-15. to They're 2-0 in the preseason, not that that matters. And we will be back, or at least I will be back next week after the game on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. In the meantime, make sure you check out all of our podcasts, not just on YouTube and Facebook Live, but on our audio platform. You can find them anywhere where you get your podcasts by searching Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe and follow. You'll get audio content only, shows that aren't on YouTube or Facebook, like Dave Stat Geek, My Let's Ride, Brian's Bad Language, all that good stuff. Check it out. You don't want to miss it. And that's it for us. We'll see you next when week. I know